Welcome to the 50 Year Vegan series of podcasts. In this episode, Jeff talks to Lynn Porter, the founder of HET Holistic Educational Therapy, and reminisces about how they met, their shared ideologies, and how art and therapy have a symbiosis. Hi, my name is Lynn Porter. I am the founder of a program called HET, H-E-T, Holistic Educational Therapy. I have known Jeff for many, many years now and have had the, uh, the privilege and the honor of working al- alongside Jeff uh, in, many, um, in many different contexts related to my work. Um, the whole program, Holistic Educational Therapy, was really about doing education differently. We're constantly seeing, and even more so now in the days of lockdown and COVID, seeing children who are being failed continually by um, the educational system. And um, it's got worse. For many halcyon years within the, the time that I've worked with Jeff, we were able to deliver together a number of different approaches, a number of different resources that had an extraordinary and successful impact on the young people with whom we were privileged to work, for which I thank Jeff. And hopefully, uh, in our chat today, we will have an opportunity, Jeff, to uh, reminisce, to walk the route of nostalgia and sincerely hope that these resources, which are now widely and freely available to people who need them now more than ever, um, can be accessed for the greater good um, more readily than they have been, whilst we had to endure the blocking and the obstruction. Right, so where do we we start our trip down memory, memory lane and uh, nostalgia and reminiscences, Jeff? Well, where we met, I think, how, how we met, and certainly the first project we worked on together. Um, the way I, I think, remember it, oh, sorry. <laughs> there was a lady that um, I got in touch with who wrote a story about a, a, a boy with special needs with a boxer dog. Um, who was, uh, she was based in Wolverhampton, which is where I'm based. And I think there was a, a connection there with some of our early work, wasn't there? Because I had a beautiful boxer dog at the time and um, there was a lot of synchronicity around that situation. Um, and I think our work kind of came as a spin-off from that, didn't it? It, it could well have done. I mean, um, my memory is certainly that you... Uh, saw a lot of my work online and that you thought that there was uh, something that we could certainly do together Uh, and I think we certainly did. Um, That first project in uh, Wolverhampton was uh, was a complete eye-opener to me. It was something that basically I think to a degree we were both busking on uh, and that was with regard to a number of uh, young people uh, who were autistic and also had other behavioural problems 
but I'll let you, you know more about each individual. You were working with them day on day and uh, I'll let you go, go from there. Yes. Um, so at that time, I was working as a local education advisor for Wolverhampton in the area of holistic educational therapy, which is an alternative approach to education. And I was based at a school which was a primary pupil referral unit. And a PRU or referral unit is a special school for children who can't cope in mainstream school. And um, you very generously and kindly offered to come and um, do a support project with these children. Uh, we both share a love of art. We are both artists. We both write. Um, but this was a special project because this was actually going to give that opportunity for those children who couldn't communicate, who couldn't function within what we would perceive as a, a, a normal society to be able to do that through the medium of art and to express themselves and i can remember one young man um who was about five at the time wasn't able to speak he wasn't able to communicate he say so he was severely autistic and he'd been referred would you believe it from a nursery school now, back at the time, and we're probably going back to about 2005 now, um, it was unheard of to have children referred to from a nursery school. But with this young man, for example, if there was a mark, a chalk mark on his chair, he wouldn't be able to come in and say, well, because of my autism, I can't sit there. I, I, I find that totally unacceptable. Please clean the chair because he couldn't talk. But he felt the emotion and he felt the frustration of his condition because there was no way he could sit on a dirty chair. So what he would do is just pick the chair up and hurl it at whoever or whatever um, was nearby. And the reason he got referred from a nursery school was because he managed to pick up a fish aquarium and lob that across the room. So he was clearly in need of a, a lot of help and there was a lot of frustration. Now, at the time, Jeff, you pulled on the amazing network of people that you have and they very kindly helped our project along by donating uh, canvas. And um, I went to our local recycle uh, tip <laughs> centre um, with a shopping list from yourself about getting different paints and things and um, so you came down to, uh, to to do this project. So we were fortunate enough to be given a fairly large classroom space, which was um, the flooring and everything was duly covered before the paint pots <laughs> got set out and the children got let in. <laughs> so we had a variety of children, all of whom had communication difficulties. And uh, the one little lad who was so frustrated, just a little five-year-old, um, sat under the table, couldn't speak, didn't want to engage, but he looked a lot at what you were doing. And of course, you, you were so intuitive, the, the way you worked with these children. You kind of like didn't push him, you didn't directly engage him, but you just showed him what we could do. Yeah, well, and he sat I and he watched. What I did was I turned my back on him the way, same way that you would with a 
a horse or, or another creature like that. To engage them, you ignore them. And uh, it was just amazing because, as you say, he was watching all the time and then he came across and he, I was making marks. And as he was sitting there next to me, he started to move his hand the same way that I was moving mine with a brush. So it was, uh, it was an interesting approach. And for the first time, he was able to communicate through movement, through expression, um, through colour, and he really took control of it. And I remember, Jeff, you had this really um, lovely, fine linen, <laughs> expensive shirt <laughs> that you'd come to visit the school with, which, which you had changed beforehand into um, a smock um, or working shirt that was <laughs> more suitable for the task at hand, I recall. And this little soul was so so into his mark making and for the first time being able to express himself through movement and colour and you know it got quite uncontrolled for him and he deliberately spread it all over your beautiful linen shirt and I do apologise that many years later for that. No, no, it, it was great. I mean it really was great and the piece of work that he, uh, he produced was just amazing. It was an amazing expression for a five-year-old. And uh, the follow-on story, uh, which you will probably tell better, but what I heard was that um, he then, had, he had never spoken as far as uh, I was aware. And also, what you said, he, he went under the tables and on the tables, but he had two minders when he came in. There were two ladies who were trying to control him in some way or the other. And uh, as, you know, as well as yourself being around. But then he, uh, the next lesson he went to, uh, they, said to, they said something to him about asking him to do something and he said no, which was just such a breakthrough. He actually, he actually said something. And later on, when I met his, his mother, who was just a wee thing, very pretty uh, West Indian girl, solo mother, uh, and uh, we were talking and uh, he was saying that, or she was saying that... Uh, he had he was just painting all the time and drawing and uh, he he was a changed child and that was when we did the exhibition which was three weeks later um, I think it's important to, to explain that this project went over a few days and one of the activities that you got the children doing because they all benefited so significantly his was very dramatic uh, and in terms of his improvement and his behaviour, of course, improved as his level of communication improved and increased. But having got rolls of canvas that you were generously given for this project, each child was able to, um, to, to have a very large piece of canvas 
and they spent some time you you giving them an activity where they had to be an animal and of course we, we both share an interest and, and a love of animals and, and how we can help animals and instilling that um, that attitude with young people and the children would go into the playground obviously under supervision but they pretend they were the lions or giraffes and they would scratch their backs with their canvas um, along the wall texturizing the canvas they ride bikes over them they'd wear them they'd run around in them they'd growl in them they you know play fighting them they got to wear <laughs> these canvases which they then went and these were bigger than child size <laughs> lifestyle canvases and they, they would then paint them and they would have a chosen um, totem animal uh, power animal that they each would would um, would do and they had a wonderful time and they produced some incredible work which was mounted and framed and we then got access to um, a local it was literally just down the road art and music pub where they would regularly have exhibitions and, um, and music events there. And so we had an exhibition and the children went along and set up the exhibition and it was advertised in the local paper and people came along and parents came along and children came along and they they had a sense of pride, a sense of achievement, a sense of, wow, this is an exhibition. <laughs> this is my giraffe on that wall. Um, and it, watching the whole process as an educational consultant, from my point of view, Watching that whole process was like birthdays and Christmases rolled into one for those children. Not to mention the fact that some of them actually sold their artwork as a result of it. <laughs> Which is wow icing on the cake, isn't it? Um, Part of that, which is a little aside to that experience, while well, the process which went on for a few days, as I mentioned, was going on, um, you brought your beautiful little doggy along with you, Rusty, and there was a little girl in the group who was very withdrawn. There were uh, abuse issues around this child's background and experiences, and... Um, she had a level of what's called frozen awareness. She couldn't discuss, she couldn't move forward with this. And your beautiful little Rusty went and sat by her. And this is the power of animal therapy and pet therapy. Because I used to bring my little dog, Ruby the Boxer, into school. So they were used to, they were used to having animals and the therapy of animals in there. But this little girl sat by Rusty and Rusty sat by this little girl and it was so moving. Um, the contact, the connection between them, the fact that she cried, um, nothing was said. She was just left in that space with that little dog. And it was beautiful. And the amount of healing that happened in those moments was so important. So we just didn't have the art therapy, the, the kinesthetic therapy, the movement therapy with these children who were in the process of being written off by society at a very early age, but we had the power of animal therapy then as well. And of course, those successes of that whole project and experience inspired a lot of, of, of further work together. 
Um, and in my role as an advisor to the local authority, um, the, the, the work, the success of the work spread across the, the borough. And um, you came with me to another school uh, that I was working with, which was the other end of the age spectrum. We, we'd looked at the early years and the inability to talk, but this was at the other end. So we had a young lady there who was 16. You remember? I do indeed, yeah. And um, she was in a school for severe learning difficulties. And like the other little chappie who hadn't spoken, she'd never spoken either. And... Um, She'd never said words, yet alone strung sentences together. And she was at a very pivotal time in her life because she was about to leave the, the kind of structure and foundation and security in that special school and go into, um, she was living at home while she was at school, but she was about to be put into care of adults uh, who had severe learning difficulties. Um, clearly I'm not mentioning any names on this, but there was issues around the relationship with her father, genuinely a nice man, um, but he kind of came from a cultural background that was less than sympathetic or even understanding at that rate to um, special needs and to girls. And he had openly said, you know, how disappointed he was, to coin a phrase, in uh, his daughter. So we set all this up with the school and Jeff, you came in with me. And again, paints, resources were there. And you sat with this little girl and, 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 and I'll now hand that back to you because you were the person that was instrumental in doing this. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, there's an, another important thing is the girl's age. So she was going through all the hormonal changes, uh, which I truly believe her father thought she had no right to. Um, and uh, he was very controlling. And it was very interesting because when I was just letting, I would just made some marks and I let her choose, once she was happy holding a brush, I let her choose the colours that she wanted. And he was saying, no, no, you want this or you want that. And uh, he'd, uh, he'd missed out on one important psychological thing. She had wanted her, her bedroom. I don't know how she conveyed that, but she had wanted her bedroom painted red, which is, you know, base chakra, it's exactly what she was feeling at that time. All these, uh, and, uh, yeah, and and also, you know, the the uh, hormonal changes in in, sure. the, in her. Uh, anyway, I I I stopped him from trying to control the situation and just said, no, no, let her choose what she wants and let her choose the shape. He, as I remember now. He was trying to limit the shape uh, that she was creating. And she, she, if I remember correctly, she created like a wood um, with trees and, and things like that. And it was quite, uh, it was a lovely piece. 
But and while she was doing this, of course, um, Lynn was giving her some healing as well. And uh, at the end of it, I'm going to let pass this back to to Lynn. But the end of it, um, it was uh, an amazing, quite amazing breakthrough. It it really it really was. The upshot of this was that girl who had never spoken spoke her first sentence. She started dialogue with her father. Her mother was overjoyed and she didn't go into care. She was able to, because of her her triggered ability to communicate, to say how she felt. And, and her first words were about how she felt about something. Um, meant that the level of support that she needed at that tender age was going to be available to her without going into care. Um, so my goodness me, you know, that was at the 11th hour that uh, the, the Jeff Cavalry came into town <laughs> and, and, and sorted that situation. So it was, again, um, another fabulous story. And you know what, a, a lot of these outcomes, we can look back at them and we can have a huge wow factor and a heart uplift factor about what came out of it. But really, they weren't planned. They weren't tick boxes on some kind of national curriculum. They were a child-focused, experiential learning process that that child was able to control, was able to explore, was able to process and achieve through those experiences. And they were all incidental. Now, who would have thought a little boy sitting under the table who never communicated anything would leap out and start painting everything in sight, including your best linen shirt? I hate to do that. But these were real wow moments we didn't expect them we didn't really anticipate them we just provided between us an opportunity and my goodness me was this an eye-opener because don't forget this is an authority initiative and a lot of people got to hear about that work and that accessed um you know in terms of my work as a pioneer of het and the founder of het that the kind of achievements that could be made for children and their families, just like for that little girl, well, she wasn't a little girl, she was 16, and her father. That was the first time in 16 years where they had a pivotal point to communicate with one another. And it changed both of their lives beyond recognition. And it changed the outcome beyond recognition as well. And so I think that whole experience all those years ago really it kind of paved the way <laughs> for many more exciting experiential <laughs> learning processes. Yeah. Um, I, yes. Which one yeah, do you want to talk about now? No. <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually like to backtrack on a couple of things. Um, the first thing is the little girl who uh, whose mother was a drug addict and uh, had been so badly abused who painted fairies because her mother had fairies all around the house um, and it, it was interesting because um, after the session uh, she went up to you Lynn and she said uh, you know she gave you a big hug 
And I turned around and said, oh, do I get one of those? And she just stepped back uh, very maturely, very adultly and said, I hardly know you. Yeah. <laughs> and then after the exhibition, which her mother did not turn up to and let her down completely, I expect she was high on something, um, she, uh, she came up to me and she hugged me, hugged me around the legs, and she said, you've been very kind to me. And I can't tell you how far that choked me. Uh, I had to hold on to it there. I understand. Yeah. yeah. And the Magic other... Moments. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what happened to the young girl. You would know. Um, but the uh, the other one I'd like to talk about, talk about was Damien, who was deter determined to be an artist. Uh, had uh, He'd been through some very awful things. Uh, if uh, I, I'm allowed to say it, or well, we can cut this out, but uh, his brother had been jailed for anally raping an 18-month-old kid. Um, so we know the sort of things that he had been exposed to, but never spoken about. Uh, but he'd been very, very lucky. His aunt, who was a beautiful lady, uh, had adopted him. And uh, she, and this was just going through as we were doing the workshop. And she was just blown away. Um, and they were really taken with the whole thing that a proper artist, in inverted commas, whatever that is, uh, was there to work with them. And there were two in the session uh, with Damien. I can't remember the other boy's name. Um, and uh, he, his painting was entirely black, but within it, there was a house with a picket fence. Now, this is not necessarily part of the culture that the, the boy came from. And, uh, but it said so much about what he felt about life and his hopes for life, or it certainly did to me. And what was fascinating was that right round the edge without, I'm sure he had never been exposed to this, he painted um, using white paint, uh, the sort of designs that Aboriginals use. Mm, it was uh, it was stunning, and it was uh, lovely because the other boy was who was in that session was much more autistic, and he just did a fairly straight picture of a, a sunset and uh, a beach and stuff. He was much more, uh, very much on the Asperger's Asperger scale, uh, and yeah. he 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 had this sense of this was how things should be. So he kept yeah. saying to Damien, he kept saying, no, no, this is how you should be painting it. That's, how, That's you know, and, and I just said to him, no, no, nothing is right. Nothing is wrong. It's as it had to be. Yeah. And he was, uh, he, I don't think he was convinced, but uh, Damien was, which was fine. 
And they, you know, I, meeting his aunt was just a real joy, very much a highlight. Mm. Mm. Very, very special occasions. And you know what? It wasn't a planned curriculum. It wasn't a national curriculum tick box, but it was a moment. And that moment of realisation, of awakening for those children totally changed the path that they were on, the direction in which they were travelling. And as such, it changed their lives. So education, not formal education as we know it, but moments of experience, moments of perception, moments of awakening are what shape those young lives and we we looked at it from a five-year-old's perspective to a 16-year-old's perspective and it was incredible um what an experience and as i said it inspired many productive years <laughs> ahead which i'm sure haven't finished yet well um, i do hope not yeah. <laughs> i hope not that was jeff francis in conversation with head founder lynn porter in the second part of their conversation, they discuss their collaboration over Jeff's book, Spirit of the Game, and is available now on 50 Year Vegan Podcasts. Mm-hmm.